you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 292 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Andy Herman. Of course, I am a writer for Cheesehead TV, and you can always follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. I want to get started right away on today's topic. I'm going to be looking at the five players that will make or break the Packers this season. Let's start by what this is not. This is not about coaches or front office personnel. Uh, of course, they're going to have a huge impact on the season, but I really wanted to limit this to players. Uh, of course, I think you can make a very strong argument that maybe the person in this organization as a whole that's going to ultimately make or break this season is head coach Matt LaFleur. He has never coached at any level, and how he's able to come in and take a team that is led by Aaron Rodgers and always has high expectations uh, will go a long way in determining this season and of course his career as a coach. If he can get that immediate buy-in, maybe start piling up some wins when they have that home schedule to begin the season, I think things could maybe and hopefully take off from there. But he's got a lot on his plate and a lot to prove. You could even make a case for, let's say, outside linebackers coach Mike Smith. Mike Smith is in charge now of some really shiny new toys that this defense has acquired throughout the course of this offseason in Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith. Of course, you return Kyler Fackrell, uh, even a couple players like Kendall Donerson, who is a perfect ball of clay, and uh, Reggie Gilbert, who showed some promise before uh, you know not really being able to put it together in the regular season last year. Uh, Mike Smith is somebody who was credited with the development of Chris Jones and D Ford and Justin Houston in Kansas City. And now he comes and has the ability to take a lot of these players and mold them to hopefully what they will become in Green Bay. So he's got an interesting season ahead of him as well. So uh, this is not about those people though. This is about the players and not the coaches or the personnel in the front office. It's also not about the players that we already expect to be great. Uh, players like Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, and Kenny Clark. You know, if, if things go wrong and they don't produce up to their standards, it's probably going to be a very long season anyway. So this is not about those type of players. They've already proved themselves. We have an expectation of what they are going to be. And again, if they do not live up to that expectation, the season's probably not going to go according to plan. You could really make a case for Aaron Rodgers. 
Rodgers here. Uh, even taking the injuries aside, if he's 2011 Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you can pretty much say that the playoffs are a foregone conclusion. And if he's 2018 Aaron Rodgers and last year maybe wasn't as much of a fluke and wasn't as much about the injuries as maybe we thought, uh, then yeah, the, the playoffs are going to be much harder to come by and everyone else on this roster is going to have to be a little bit better. But I think you could pretty much make the case every season that Aaron Rodgers is the person who's going to make or break this team as a whole. So uh, again, this is not about those high-end level players. This is about players that are in that middle tier or development tier. Uh, Players that if they reach their ceiling could go a long way in helping this team reach their playoff and hopefully knock on wood Super Bowl aspirations. And if they don't, it's going to take a lot of players uh, to really make up for that. And that's what I'm really looking at today. Those, Those medium tier players, those developmental players that could go a long way in making this Packers season. Not too dissimilar to, let's say, a Sam Shields during their last Super Bowl run. Now, he was an undrafted free agent, and at this point in the process in that season, we were just getting to know Sam Shields' names and and, and certainly did not have a expectation of what he was going to become that season. But that's the type of thing that I'm talking about. You could even talk about Tremont Williams in that Super Bowl season or Jordy Nelson, two players who were good up to that point, but nowhere near what they showed capable by the end of that season. In fact, I think Tremont Williams was just phenomenal throughout that entire season and maybe still doesn't get the credit that he deserves for that Super Bowl run. So those are the type of players that I'm looking for, some players who could potentially break out, take that next step, and really help lead the Packers to the promised land. Let me start with some honorable mentions. These are players that did not make the top five on my list, but who will also go a long way in determining the outcome of the 2019-2020 season. Let's start with edge rusher, Rayshon Gary, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, and Kyler Fackrell. All of them, you could make an argument. Again, kind of what I was talking about with outside linebackers coach Mike Smith a little bit earlier. All of them could go a long way in determining this season. If they have the ability to rush the passer like we think that they might be able to, that's going to make everything on the defense easier. The reason they didn't make the top five, however, is because I believe there's enough of them on this team where if one or hopefully not two, but if maybe two of them don't quite live up to expectations, hopefully the other two do and you still end up with a pretty solid edge rusher group as a whole. So uh, because there actually are options at edge rusher this year, something that hasn't seemed to be the case for some time now, uh, I didn't actually have any of those players making the top five on my list. Another one is Brian Bulaga. I think you could certainly make a case for him as well, but I think the biggest case with Brian Bulaga simply comes down to injuries. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you could probably really make a case that if anyone ends up getting hurt or continuing to have injuries, they're probably not going to help the Packers team too much. When Brian Bulaga has been healthy, he has been one of the best offensive linemen and best offensive players on this team. So I don't know that he's necessarily a player that's going to make or break this season off of his play, uh, but he is definitely somebody that Green Bay needs healthy. And uh, again, when he is, he he certainly helps this team perform uh, at a much higher level. Another player is Josh Jones. I haven't given up on him yet. And whether he's a safety or an inside linebacker, I think he still could make a path for himself on this team. And if he plays up to expectations coming out of college, then he could still be a player that again, really helps this team going forward. Mike Daniels, whose demise I don't think is uh, quite up to what some people are saying. I thought he had a really nice season. He was asked to play a little bit of a different role, eating some more blocks than he was used to. But uh, prior to his injury last year, I didn't have any issue with his play. And I think he'll bounce back and still be an impact player on this team. 
Jimmy Graham and Jay Sternberger at tight end. I think Jimmy Graham is kind of what we think he is at this point. He's a solid receiving weapon who doesn't have that same juice that he did earlier in his career. Uh, he's never going to be a top end blocker, but I think there's a chance that Matt LaFleur could get more out of him than Mike McCarthy did, and there's some hope there. Uh, Jay Sternberger, it's tough to put any expectations on a third round tight end. History would tell us that putting those type of expectations on a player like that uh, just probably isn't going to pay off. So he also did not make my top five. Josh Jackson, certainly a player that you could put in that conversation. If he performs up to his second round status from a season ago, that would be a huge boon for this defense. Equinemia St. Brown and Jamon Moore, again, two receivers who as well, if they take that step, could really help out this offense and give Aaron Rodgers some more explosive weapons. And then Lane Taylor and Billy Turner. Uh, Green Bay really needs those guards to perform much better than they did a season ago, but ultimately the ceiling on both Lane Taylor and Billy Turner just isn't that high. And even if they play at their highest end levels, they're probably not enough to really turn this into a juggernaut of an offense. So uh, those are some players that made my honorable mention list, but ultimately didn't make the top five. That brings me to the five players, of course, who did make the top five. And number one on that list is wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Last year, he finished with 38 catches, 581 yards, and two touchdowns. However, those 38 catches came on 73 targets, so the ratio there wasn't great. He had a little bit of a breakout from weeks five to nine, catching 21 of his 38 passes and both of his touchdowns, but after that, he kind of fell off the radar a little bit and just wasn't used in that same capacity. There were some questions if he was always on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, but the play that always sticks out is that touchdown against the Rams where he absolutely smokes the corner on the outside, gets free, and is able to get, I think it was about a 38 or 40-yard touchdown, and really display that deep speed and what he can really do to threaten a defense. His ability to completely open up the offense with his deep speed and ability to get downfield has the ability to be an absolute game changer. If he can show that he can do that on a consistent basis, that opens things for Devontae Adams in totally new ways. It's going to open things up for the tight ends underneath. It's going to make it so that they can't stack that extra safety in the box, which will open things up for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. This is an offense that wants to be a stretch running zone blocking scheme offense. And with a player like Marquez Valdez-Scantling keeping those safeties honest and deep, they can really develop that run, which sets up play action, which just sets up the entirety of this offense. And I know that's a lot of pressure to put on Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but he has all the talent in the world. That 4-3-7-40, and again, what he was able to show in flashes a season ago, can go a long way in opening up this offense. And I I think the great thing about MVS is he also showed the ability to work some from the slot. He doesn't have to just be that outside receiver that's just a speed guy down the field. He showed the ability to stretch the field horizontally as well. And Matt LaFleur will run a lot of different concepts that takes a receiver all the way from one side of the field, all the way to the other. And you can use that 4-3-40 speed in that way as well. Marquez Valdez-Scantling may not be, you know, one of the guys that stands out as a, a total make-or-break player, but if he really truly hits his ceiling, he really can be that guy. Where on the flip side, if he's just another 38-catch, 500-yard, two-touchdown player, uh, this offense is going to have to work a little bit harder. And, and he's the type of player that when I talk about like the 2010 season where, uh, you know, Jordy Nelson and Sam Shields and Tremont Williams, where they kind of developed, if he develops and turns into that deep threat that Green Bay's hoping he can become, that opens up everything and it really just changes the entire dynamic of this offense. And that's why he came in as number one on my list. 
Number two is safety Darnell Savage. Now, this is already a lofty expectation for any rookie, but if there's a rookie that I see in this class that has the ability to change this team, it's Darnell Savage. He's different. He just plays at a different speed. His movement skills are ridiculous. And I am fully saying that he is not Earl Thomas. And of course, he is not Earl Thomas as a rookie. He is not going to be Bob Sanders or Troy Palomalu. And certainly, he's not going to be them as a rookie but he kind of moves like Earl Thomas moves. And he reads things kind of like Earl Thomas reads things. He's aggressive, but he's smart aggressive. I've kind of pointed that out on a couple of my breakdowns on Darnell Savage already. And uh, there'll be another one coming out this week via a video breakdown that I'm doing. So keep an eye out for that. But he just plays at a totally different speed and level than what you're going to see from most safeties. He compliments Adrian Amos really well. He can cover the slot. It would not shock me me. If he met his ceiling pretty quickly, if he had four interceptions and four sacks in his rookie season, the way Mike Pettin's going to want to use him with a little bit more pressure up front from guys like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, Rayshon Gary and Kyler Fackrell. I think you could see this defense get their hands on the football just a little bit more than what you did a season ago. And Darnell Savage and his ability to break on the football could be a huge part in that. And Green Bay's lack of turnovers last season were a huge reason why they were unsuccessful on defense, unsuccessful in getting the ball in plus territory, and ultimately putting points on the board. And I think Darnell Savage has the ability to flip the script on that, be a playmaker, and be the guy that can take away the football and make big plays when you need them. Be a coverage guy. Be a guy that plays in the box, plays over the top, can get sideline to sideline. Again, these are lofty expectations, and it's probably foolhardy a little bit to put any of those type of expectations on a rookie safety. There is bound to be a learning curve. But again, if he comes close to hitting his ceiling, he can be one of those players that makes or breaks this defense and ultimately makes or breaks this team going into 2019. So he is a player that I have a ton of excitement for. And again, if I think if he reaches his ceiling, uh, he could go a long way in flipping the script and starting to take away the ball and making some of those big plays that this defense desperately, desperately needs. Next on my list is linebacker Oren Burks, a third round pick from a season ago. He was injured and banged up to start the season, but let's not forget that when he was healthy, he was really expected to get some significant playing time coming out of training camp, maybe being that third down linebacker and really playing in a variety of different roles. Let's not forget that he was a player coming out of college who played some safety, played some linebacker, played some edge rusher. And I think Green Bay and and kind of the fans and the, the draft Knicks were expecting him to be able to come in and do a little bit of that maybe as a a sub-down linebacker. But the truth was probably that it was always going to take a couple years for him to develop. Uh, He only played that linebacker role for one season. And, uh, you know, it was just not anything that he ever really seemed comfortable playing a season ago. When when he was out there, you saw him thinking. Uh, It just didn't always come naturally to him. You know, New England attacked him in coverage as soon as he was out there to start the game. So I, I think he still has a little bit of a ways to go. And it may be a little bit of a surprise to me if he comes in and is all of a sudden this, this really solid, strong linebacker up the middle. But Green Bay is really lacking depth at that inside linebacker position. They've got Blake Martinez, but then it's Burks, James Crawford, who's more of a special teams guy, Ty Summers, who's a seventh round draft pick, and Josh Jones, who could be either a safety or a linebacker, but hasn't found really his niche at either of those positions. So this is a really 
really, really thin position. And if Oren Burks can step up and play to some of that level that Green Bay thought he could when he was picked in the third round, again, that could go a long way in solidifying a position that right now doesn't seem the strongest. And let's not kid ourselves. Blake Martinez is a good, solid linebacker, but he's in the last year of his deal. And if Green Bay wants to feel like they don't have to maybe overpay for him going into next offseason, they would really love to see a jump from Oren Burke. So this isn't just a true 2019-2020 proposition. This is a player that Green Bay needs to break out so that they have somebody on their defense that is under contract going into next year. And I think he has all the potential in the world. He has the speed. He has the size. He has the athleticism, but he's got to work on his instincts. He's got to start feeling more comfortable at that linebacker position. And if he doesn't, it's going to be tough for Mike Patton and the defense to trust him. And this isn't a position where you've just kind of got to Clay Matthews, where if everything goes wrong and Blake Martinez gets hurt, you can just kind of move him back to inside linebacker and feel like things are okay. Green Bay doesn't have that player. And if all of a sudden Oren Burks is a bust and all of a sudden Blake Martinez gets hurt, who are you running with at linebacker? James Crawford, Ty Summers, Josh Jones? There's not a ton out there on the free agent market. Zach Brown, kind of the last remaining inside linebacker who was out there that could probably come in and start day one and not have any concerns over, just signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. One year, $3 million deal. So uh, there's not a lot out there and there's not a lot of depth on this team. And if Oren Burks can solidify that position, it would be a huge boost to that inside linebacking core. Next on the list is Kevin King. And of course, the first thing that you're going to jump to with Kevin King is injuries. And I didn't really want to make this about injuries, but King's played 304 snaps in 2018, 71 snaps in 2017. He's played less than 400 total snaps in his career thus far. And let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of things that are out there about Kevin King, and he's been a pretty good player but he's not been what's quite been expected out of him, even when he has been healthy. He's had a lot of weaknesses on in-breaking routes. And while the defense is better with him on the field, and while he's shown some flash plays like his big interception against San Francisco a season ago, even when he's healthy, he needs to be better. And Green Bay could really use that breakout season from Kevin King. Kevin King has the ability to be a really strong piece in this Mike Pettin defense. He has the length, the size, and the speed to cover lengthier receivers on the outside, whether they have speed or not. And while, again, he needs to be better on in-breaking routes, he still has a role to play on this defense. And even if he doesn't reach his peak potential, which is insanely high, if he can go out this season, stay healthy, and show that he can be a true, really good number two cornerback to probably Jair Alexander's number one, again, that that solidifies this defense so incredibly much. You don't need that max effort, max ability out of Kevin King. You just need him to really stay healthy and really be solid. And that already is going to go a long way. As I covered already with Darnell Savage, you're expecting a little bit more pressure from that front seven this season. And that should make things easier on Josh Jackson and Kevin King and Jair Alexander. And if all of those players can make that jump, let's not kid ourselves. Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Darnell Savage, these are all top 50 picks just within the course of the last three years. Adrian Amos was a big time free agent signing. Tremont Williams is that veteran presence who can play a variety of different positions that they also put free agent money into just a season ago. They're asking and expecting a lot out of this defensive backfield based off of the capital that they have pumped into the position, both via draft pick and free agency. It is time for this defensive backfield to step up and perform at the level that they're capable of. 
hopefully with, again, a little help from that front seven. But if the front seven plays the way that they're supposed to, and all of a sudden, you know, Kevin King and Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Darnell Savage play up to their ability, there are not a lot of holes on this defense, but there are still question marks. And if Kevin King can answer one of those questions, then that solidifies one whole side of the field at corner. Jair has the ability to shut down that other side, maybe not shut down, but be a really strong player on the other side. And that has the ability to be a really strong duo for the foreseeable future. Last but not least on my list is Mason Crosby. And Mason Crosby is a bit of an interesting story. Last season, he actually hit on 81.1% of his field goals and 94.4% of his extra points. Those two numbers were actually better than his 2017 campaign, which I actually would not have believed you if you told me that prior to me looking it up. It seemed like last year was more of a struggle for him. Additionally, his 81.1% percentage was actually higher than his career average, which is 80.4%. His extra point percentage was the highest since they put it in the rule change extending the distance of the, the extra points a few years back. But it was the kicks that he did miss that were important. Of course, all of his field goals that he missed against Detroit, uh, the last second field goal in regulation against the Vikings, he had a lot of kicks where he had the ability to either win the game or be a huge help towards uh, getting in a position to win the game. And he just couldn't come through in the clutch last year. Now, who knows what Green Bay is going to be in 2019, and I'd be shocked if they were picking in the top 12 again, but just about every other outcome really wouldn't surprise me. I'd be surprised if you did tell me, however, that Green Bay just all of a sudden ran away with every game and that the vast majority of the games weren't particularly close. In fact, I expect there to be a lot of close games this season, and the difference between going to the playoffs or not going to the playoffs or the difference between winning a playoff game and losing a playoff game uh, could really come down to the consistency of Mason Crosby. And while he hit on 80% of his kicks a season ago, or actually 81.1%, he still, again, missed some of those key kicks, and it just never felt like he was really truly consistent kicking the ball. And whether that played a part of having a new holder and a new long snapper, who knows? But at the end of the day, he has to be just a step better than he was a season ago. And if he's not, and if he starts missing some of those clutch kicks again, it could, again, be the difference between playoffs and no playoffs, and it could be the difference in whether or not he's back on this team in 2020 or if this is his last season as Green Bay's kicker. So to recap, we've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Darnell Savage, Kevin King, Oren Burks, and Mason Crosby. Those are my five players that will ultimately make or break this season and decide if Green Bay has the ability to go on one of those incredible runs or whether they may end up still the middle of the pack. I love the potential that these players possess. If Mason Crosby can get back to his usual consistent self, if Oren Burks can be even a solid player at that inside linebacker position, if Kevin King can even be a really good number two cornerback, if Darnell Savage lives up to that billing as the top safety in this draft, and if MVS can take the top off of defenses and keep those safeties and defensive coordinators honest, then this has the ability to be a very good team to pair with Rodgers and Bakhtiari and Adams and Clark and Daniels and so on and so on and so on. I love those five players. I think they have the ability to live up to their expectation, but whether they do or not, again, will make or break the 2019 Green Bay Packers. Those are my five guys. Hit me up in my mentions if you have a different five that you're thinking of. Uh, Hit me up at Packaday Podcast or at Scani Sports, and I'd love to have that conversation with you. 
That does it for me today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Keep it here tomorrow as Dan Kotnick, Matt Freilich, and Janelle Mackey bring you a brand new episode. Make sure to like, subscribe, and comment wherever you find your favorite Packer podcasts. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! One kick away from the NFC Championship game from the 41. Left pass mark, 51 yard, field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick to the upright, and it is right to yes. it is good, and the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game! And what a happy bunch of Green Bay Packers!